Hola mi gente. The moment you've been waiting for is finally here. My brand new book, Financially Lit, is officially out. And I can't wait for you to get your copy. Inside this book, I'm bringing you culturally relevant and relatable personal finance advice that will allow you to finally feel seen, heard, and understood. Whether it's the guilt you feel from being the first person to make it while members of your family are still struggling, or the way that financial trauma manifests itself in negative and limiting beliefs around money, Financially Lit is here to guide you through it all. Just a few years ago, it was almost impossible to find personal finance books written for first-generation wealth-building Latinas. We have been forced to navigate the complicated world of money with a bunch of money books written by old white dudes who don't understand what it's like for us first-gen kids. But that stops right here, right now. Inside Financially Lit, you will learn how to set boundaries with your familia, with your dinero, create and pass on generational wealth, diversify and increase your income, protect yourself from financial abuse, navigate the complicated relationship between amor and dinero, invest like a white dude or better, and so much more. You can get your hard copy and audiobook version of Financially Lit at financiallylitbook.com and make sure to join our email list so you can find out when I'm stopping in a city near you for the Financially Lit book tour. See you soon. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You have to believe that you deserve, that you can have what you want. You have to believe that relationship with money that you want to have, you have to believe that you can have it. Because I think that's something I see in our community a lot of time. What I see a lot of times is the biggest thing that separates us from high level people, successful people. When you go to conferences, you see the people on stage speaking. The biggest thing that separates us is they believe in themselves. They believe that they deserve the money that's coming to them. They believe that they deserve, they can create generational wealth. And I think for us, I think we're getting better at it because we're seeing more of us become wealthy and become successful. You have to believe. You just have to literally believe it. And I know it, it's definitely harder said than done. Um, and there's, there's little things you can do every single day to help you get to that point. But I think the belief is the biggest aspect that separates us from people that are highly successful. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. 
Chris, welcome to the podcast. I'm so, so excited to have you here. So I've been on your show and now you're here. And can I just say before we dive in, it has been such a struggle for me to find men in our community who are talking about money, which I don't understand why. So hopefully you can give us some insight into what the hell's going on. But first and foremost, welcome to the show. Happy to have you here. Thank you for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. Like you said, I've had you on my show and it was a phenomenal conversation. Great energy. Just before we hit record, I was just telling you, you know, I was telling my wife, I've been looking forward to this call. So hopefully we have a phenomenal conversation and we dive deep into a couple of different things. But as far as why aren't more men talking about finances and whatnot, it's a very interesting topic because I haven't figured it out myself. When it comes to having Latinas on my platform and reaching out to Latinas, there's an abundance. You guys are killing it. You guys are doing a phenomenal job. Please continue doing that. But the guys, we need to step it up. We need more representation, right? I'm just going to try to do my part in pushing these conversations forward, but definitely happy to be here. I have a theory on this because in our culture, it's very traditional that the men, quote unquote, bring in the money, but the women are always or typically the ones who are managing the finances of the household. I don't know anybody in my family. All the women were always the ones in charge. They were the ones allocating what's going to savings. What are we spending on vacation? What are we spending on groceries? So I think maybe that's just what it is. It's that women in our community have a more intimate relationship with the finances. And so it's more top of mind. That's my anecdotal information. Definitely can see that. I grew up pretty much with a single mom and she was the head honcho. She did everything. She controlled everything finances and all that, it all ran through her. So I can definitely see that on both sides for sure. Yeah. Okay. So tell folks a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we're going to dive into your backstory. Cool. So a little bit about myself. First and foremost, I'm a family man. I'm a husband. I'm a child of God. I'm the owner of the Latin Wealth Platform. And I'm really just an individual that really enjoys pouring back into our community, giving back to our people, and just bringing us together and collaborating is something that I'm really passionate about. I'm here for it. Collaboration has been so key to my own journey when it comes to learning about money, because I feel like the topics can get very overwhelming when you don't have other people around you who are doing the things you want to do, who are talking about this stuff. And so the fact that you've decided to create your own community around these topics, I love it. And I'm so here for it. So let's dive into your backstory. One thing that I found very interesting, you're Puerto Rican, but you were born in Southern California, which is not a place that I associate with Puerto Rican culture. And I'm curious what that was like for you. Early on in my life, I moved around a lot. I need y'all to keep up with me right now. I was born in Southern California, moved to Portland, Oregon, where there's even less Puerto Ricans out there. And then on my 13th birthday, I was in a U-Haul driving to Sacramento, California, and that's where I tell people that's where I grew up, Northern California, and then when I was 19, moved back to Southern California, but moved around a lot. Growing up, the only Puerto Ricans that I knew were the ones in my family. You know, if we go to the East Coast, we go to New York, we go to Florida, we visit our Puerto Rican family out there, but that was it. But even though it was just us, you still felt the Puerto Rican culture there. My mom did a phenomenal job of keeping that intact, whether it was cooking food, playing music, just showing love. I think that was big for me growing up. So even though I didn't get the outside community, inside the household, it was all love. I have some family in Southern California. My grandmother, if you talk to my grandmother to this day, she'll tell you, my name is Josie and I'm Puerto Rican from the Bronx. She tells everybody that. When I go home to grandma, it's like, I get that Puerto Rican love there as well. Yeah, I love that. You got to create the community where there is not one. So I love that. That was your experience. Now, I'm curious, what was your money story growing up? What did you learn about money in a household where you are raised by a single mom? Tell me all about it. Yeah, so the relationship with money growing up was not the best one, right? When we talk about a relationship, it wasn't there. It was a lot of scarcity it was a lot of hearing things like money doesn't grow on trees. We don't have the finances to pay for that. Some days the lights were off. We didn't have very much food in the refrigerator and things of that nature. And I say all these things and I think my mom's going to end up listening to this podcast. I always give her flowers, but you know, she did a phenomenal job with us and she did what she could. I believe she was 17 when she had me and the next day she turned 18. So she was a kid herself. 
when she had it. And she was had her second child, I think, when she was 22. So she was a child raising kids, and she was just doing the best she could. It wasn't her fault. She was just doing what was taught to her. My grandmother, I don't know if she has a high school diploma, and just going back, you guys probably can relate to that as well, where a lot of our ancestors and other people in the family, they don't have a formal education. So she's just teaching us and telling us what was told to her. So again, there was a lot of, you get one pair of shoes for basketball, one pair of shoes for the whole year. And that was it. The relationship with money was tough. And there was a lot of trauma with it as well growing up. So yeah, it wasn't the best, but I think she did a phenomenal job of of raising us for sure, what she had. That's real. And that's a story that I think a lot of folks can identify with. My grandmother had a third grade education and she managed to raise like seven kids through entrepreneurship. Because when you don't have an education, a lot of the times that's the only option you got. You got to figure out how to be a hustler. And my mom was definitely that. Like she working two jobs, working day shift, night shift, just hustling, trying to just get it out some type of way. So that's real. So you are a first generation college grad. What did you study and what was the original plan? Original plan. So when it comes to school, I'm going to tell you right now, I was not the school guy at all. I did not want to be in school. did not want to be in class. I wanted to be playing basketball, just doing something active, doing something creative. I just wasn't meant to just sit down in a school setting like that. So the reason why I wanted to go to school and college is because I wanted to be the first in my family to get a college diploma. That was honestly it. I had no idea if I was going to use the information or what I was going to do with it. I don't know. I just wanted to be the first. So I went to school and it took me a while to get my four-year degree. It took me like seven years, but I got it done. Actually, I studied business administration with an emphasis in entrepreneurship. So the school I went to, Cal State San Bernardino, it was actually one of the first schools, I think, in the country that offered the entrepreneurship program, which was cool because this was actually the first time in my school career that I was actually doing well. Like the last semester I ended up getting a 4.0 and just doing pretty well because the classes less textbook and more thinking, strategizing, and just more business-minded, right? It was different, something I wasn't used to. That's what I ended up studying and one of the biggest things I took away from school that I applied to my life is there was a classroom that we would go to. And in this classroom, it had a couch, it had some chairs, it had these nice big office chairs and whatnot. And it was laid out like it was an office setting, right? And if you turn behind you on the wall, above the window, it said, think like an owner. And it had that big on the wall. And it also had pictures of other entrepreneurs that came from the school and whatnot. And that always stuck with me to think like an owner. They always drilled it in you to whatever you do to think like an owner. And I just applied that. That was like the one thing I ran with from college. And man, it's because when you think like an owner, when the opportunity comes for you to be an owner, you're going to be ready. You're going to be ready for those opportunities. That's such a unique experience that you had because I feel like a lot of the times formal education trains you how to be a worker right? They teach you how to fall in line. And the fact that your school was actively putting that idea of ownership top of mind, I'm like, shout out to what school was this? Cal State San Bernardino in in Southern California. Yeah. Shout out to them. Wow. So you graduate. What's next? What do you dive into career-wise? To be honest, career-wise, I was at a regular job just working retail, but I was also really interested in marketing. That was my thing. I was playing around with drop shipping, playing around with doing marketing for other business owners and whatnot. That's where pretty much the bulk of my career experience comes from is marketing. Digital marketing really is what I dove into in learning on different aspects of digital marketing, right? When I graduated, it was in 2017. So social media was around. Around this time, people were really trying to utilize social media for business. Now it seems like it's strictly for business. So just learning about how to run ads, building website, how to create content that converts and taking that information and helping other small business owners with their business as well was kind of like the bulk of what I did with that information. And so were you doing that as a consultant or a freelancer or were you working for companies that were specializing in marketing? Yeah. So it was a combination of All three. So it was me freelancing and consulting, trying to get it out the mud by myself, like literally going door to door to some of these businesses in Southern California and offering my services. 
And then I stumbled across another group of young people that had a marketing agency. And they're like, yo, come work for us. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned from that experience is although I was working with another company and working for another company, I always thought, look, you can do great things. You can do good things by yourself. Like you're doing good, right? You're making money. You're helping all these other small businesses, but you can do great things with a group of people, with a team. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier, surrounding yourself with other Latinas that are in your industry to help you elevate. And I think from that moment, it really gained a lot of experiences from working with that company. So, yeah. I love that. Okay. So tell me how ownership has manifested in your life because you're also an investor and I'm curious what that journey has been like for you. For me, ownership, it's obviously investing, but for me, it's looking at myself in the mirror and taking accountability for where I'm at in my life right now. Before we get into putting your money up and starting a podcast and investing into different stocks and whatnot or whatever it is, I think we have to take ownership and we have to take accountability of where we're at in our current life. So whatever happened to me in my past, whatever anybody in my life did to me, I had to take ownership and say, look, I'm at this point in my life because of the decisions I made. So when you say ownership, that's what immediately comes to my mind is taking accountability of my life and figuring out ways to become a great man. Can you elaborate on that? Like, what's that journey been like for you? What are some things you've had to take ownership of? I feel like one of the things I've had to take ownership of is just changing the narrative in my family when it comes to generational wealth, not only the monetary things that we can pass on, but also generational emotions, generational traumas. What are some things that need to stop with me? And I took that responsibility to say, we're not doing the kids at 17, 18 years old. Shout out to mom, but we're just not doing that. We get in our high school diploma, college diploma, we're doing that. Healthy marriage. We're not out here womanizing. We're not out here chasing multiple women and having multiple families. I'm staying true to my wife and I'm staying true to her. And we're going to build a phenomenal family. So these are things in my life that I chose to take ownership over. I think just overall, I took ownership in addition to just wanting to be better every single day. I'm not perfect. I'm going to come on here and be as transparent as possible, but just know every single day I'm working on different aspects of my life, right? As a man, spiritually, financially, physically, there's different aspects that I want to take ownership over and be great at. I really love that that was your answer because I feel like that shit does not happen in our community. We know far too well machismo and toxic masculinity is the vibe. So how does the idea of personal development even plant itself in your head? Because I can't imagine that that was a topic of conversation growing up. Mm -mm, That's a phenomenal question. I love that question. And for me, it started when I was 17 years old. I was just telling this story to my wife. And I'm in the car with my friend and he's playing a video. And do you remember World Star Hip Hop? Yep. Hell yeah, they're messy as hell. <laughs> he's playing he's on WorldStarHipHop.com and he's playing a video. He's playing a motivational video. And he's like, You need to listen to this. You need to get some motivation. And I'm like, I don't need no motivation. So I'm peeping the video. And it's a video by Dr. Eric Thomas. ET the hip hop preacher, if you guys are familiar with him, talking about if you want to succeed as you bad as you want to breathe, then you'll be successful. So I ended up going home that night and listening to that video and to see person of color talking about wealth, talking about developing, growing, getting better, having a healthy marriage. I was just hooked. I was hooked from that day. I was hooked from that video. And from then on, he would release a video every single Monday. I think it's called Thank God It's Monday, but he would release a new one just talking about how to develop in different areas of your life. And I was telling somebody, I think a lot of those videos went over my head when I was young, but just to hear a positive male figure in my life that was of color speaking to me, it was powerful. It just started this journey of just trying to pick up books and trying to listen to videos to improve my mindset to be receptive of the blessings that were going to come and the abundance that was going to come. That was the start of it. I was like 17, little by little, just doing everything I could, whether it was, again, reading books, going to the gym, making sure spiritually I was aligned, just doing what I could to improve. 
I absolutely love that. We need way more men in our community doing that work because I feel like that's also another thing that a lot of Latinas are fully embracing, you know, the idea of going to therapy and addressing generational trauma. And I think one of the benefits that we have as women is that we tend to gravitate towards community. I think that's just an instinctual thing for us, whereas I don't think men are as comfortable talking about their emotions. And I mean, society doesn't give y'all permission to do that shit either. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Maybe we'll jump into it, but just real quick, at the beginning of the year, I started a men's club which was at the service level, it's a book club, but at a deeper level, we just wanted to create a space for men to come in and be vulnerable, hold each other accountable and want to improve. And the things that you're talking about, machismo and all that, those are things that are brought up in the group. And it's like, hold, hold, hold up, let's look at it from a different perspective. There's no problem with wanting to cry, show your emotions and be vulnerable. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a beautiful thing as a man to be vulnerable and just to be transparent. And so I wanted to create that space for the fellows. Again, it, at the surface level, it's a book club but on a deeper level. We're going deep. We're talking about dealing with masculinity, dealing with sexual desires. How do you deal with grieving and people passing away in your life? How do you deal with that? Because I know for me, I'm just pushing it to the side. I'm going forward and we got to uproot those traumas. So it's phenomenal. Uh, we've had like a motivational speaker on. We're going to have a therapist on in a couple of weeks. So that's besides the fact, but I agree with you. We do need to create these spaces for men so we can come in and be better. Even for men and women, if we're better, the work we're doing is better and everything else around us is better. That's facts. And I love that you're doing that. Okay. So you've invested energy, time, money, interpersonal development. What's your financial literacy journey been like? So how have you been able to teach yourself everything that you now know about investing and building wealth? Financial literacy journey, a lot of reading, a lot of books, videos and whatnot. But I think what has helped me the most, to be honest, is starting a podcast, starting a platform where I can have conversations with other people like yourself, having you come in and share your financial stories and other people, how they paid off debt, what they're investing into has helped me out a lot. I'm definitely not where I want to be, but it's not about where you want to be. It's about the journey and it's about what you're doing right now. So for me, a lot of podcasts, listening to other platforms, reading books, listening to people like yourself, having conversations with people and putting myself in uncomfortable situations, whether it's going to conferences and they ask you, what industry are you in or what are you doing? What are you investing in? You're like, I'm not doing any of that. I just want to come here and meet people and talk and ask questions. It's uncomfortable to have that answer, but it's an everyday process, just doing the little things every day to continue to improve. Yeah. And I think that requires a certain level of humility I don't think men are given permission to have because y'all are supposed to know everything. And I'm trying to understand who said that y'all need to know everything and you can't ask for help and you can't be quote unquote vulnerable by admitting that you don't know something. And I think that forces, not forces, but it causes a lot of people to make stupid mistakes with money because they just assume that you'll figure it out. Yeah. We were brought up to not show our emotions, not to ask questions. We're supposed to know it all. We're supposed to be the top dog. But if you talk to a lot of men, that's the furthest from the case. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why women are better investors, because we're more cautious. We are more risk averse, whereas men are just like, fuck it, I'll figure it out on the way out. I honestly agree with that, because sometimes I run some plays by my wife and she'd be like, yo, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> She's the voice of reason. You guys ask questions. You guys want to know what the whole thing looks like. At least my wife does. And I'm just like, no, I just want to jump into it. I'll figure it out. But no, like you said, she wants to know the whole thing, the whole picture uh, before we even jump into any type of investment. No, that's real. Checks and balances. The system works. <laughs> 
Okay. So tell me about you creating your podcast, Latin Wealth. Where did the origin of that come from? Originally, I had a podcast called The Beautiful Struggle Podcast. It's, it's still available. And on that podcast, just sharing stories of people of color. And that was pretty much it, showing their beautiful struggle and how they overcame it. I'm extremely passionate about podcasting. I love it. So I was like, how can I dive deeper within my community and reach more people? And I felt like the Latino community was missing that, right? We have phenomenal platforms like yourself that are talking about finances, and there's plenty of other platforms that are talking about it, but I think there's still more work that needs to be done. There's more people that need to push this narrative. So why not come in and fill a void where I feel like there was that? So that's what I essentially did. And it's been a phenomenal process. I've been getting nothing but phenomenal feedback, great people I've had on, and I can probably just keep going on and on. But I'm passionate about this community. I'm passionate about pouring into our people. Like I said, there's a lot of great platforms that are doing it, but we need to continue to have more people having these conversations and more collaborations, right? Hell yeah. And we need people from our community creating this financial content because what I find is that the mainstream platforms, the mainstream media, they will do their little outreach crap for Black History Month or Hispanic Heritage Month. They want to highlight entrepreneurs during that time as if we're not people of color 365 days a year. And it feels very opportunistic. It feels very surface level, and it doesn't feel like there's a vested long-term interest in actually moving the needle forward. And that's why I feel like until that becomes their priority, that's where we come in with the grassroots community-led shit, because nobody else is going to do the work. But they're missing out on an opportunity, I think, especially with the Latino community being the largest uh, minority population in the United States and fast-growing Y'all, these are the customers of the future. And if you don't start paying attention now, you will get left behind. And this is for entrepreneurs. This is for corporations. Y'all need to figure out how to start serving the people in our community. I heard a crazy statistic. The buying power of Latinos, it would be like equivalent to the fifth largest economy in the world. That's a lot of money. If I'm not mistaken, it's 1.7 trillion. Something crazy like that. Yeah. That's a lot of money flowing through our community for it not to be allocated strategically. And that's where the financial literacy needs to come in, right? Because it doesn't matter how much money we're making. If we're not deploying it in ways that are going to move the needle forward, it's a waste. Don't quote me on this statistics. Another crazy one that I heard back in the day was when you look at the circulation of money within our community, maybe you've heard this one. I think the Jewish community, the white community, their dollar stays within their community up to 27 days. I'm paying Bob. Bob's going to pay Jim. The money's being circulated. For the black and brown community, that dollar leaves, I think, within five minutes. It's that big of a difference. The gap is like that. Mm -hmm. This is why we need to get really intentional about supporting black and brown owned businesses because there's so much talent in our community that we really don't need to be outsourcing it to others. So let's talk about some of the best money lessons that you've learned along your own journey that you can share with people. Have you ever had to deal with things like debt? And if so, how have you managed it? Yeah. So I think one of the best money lessons that I've came across is the whole credit card thing. And it's something I'm still learning about, still improving upon. But growing up, again, the credit card was the devil. Hell yeah. In my household too, my parents were like, if you get a credit card, we're going to disown you. I'm like, what are you talking about? Y'all are crazy. It's a fact. The credit card was the devil growing up. But not knowing it's just the educational piece, right? What are the benefits, right? And how can we become disciplined to utilize those benefits, right? So for me, I don't want to say I've ever had any crazy debt, but I've had some consumer debt growing up, was able to pay it off and whatnot. But now utilizing and understanding the power of credit, it's almost a game changer. Being able to utilize other people's money for your business or taking advantage of some of these incentives that these credit cards have. I think the young lady you had on the episode you just put out, I think her name is Jen. She was talking about utilizing the travel points to travel around the world and go first class using the credit. So I think understanding the power of credit, how we can use other people's money to hold on to our money, I think it's a powerful tool. That's something that I've definitely been learning more about. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk investing because that's also something that you personally do. What does that look like for you? Yeah, so when it comes to 
investing and outside of investing into myself and personal development and whatnot, it's a lot of long-term investing, right? So investing into companies that I believe are going to be around for the long time, for a long term, I'm not really big on the penny stocks, what's potentially going to be next or the next Dogecoin or anything like that. To me, I'm putting my time and effort into building a podcast or something like that. I don't want to be thinking too much about how my investments are doing. So what I'm going to go ahead and do is invest in the quality companies, right? This is not investing advice, but for most people out there knows what quality companies are like Apple, Microsoft, and then taking a look at what are some of the companies that power these companies that allow these companies to work well or some other ones that you can invest to. But for me, it's all long-term. I mean, just try not to get too caught up into what's happening right now, what's trending right now, the AI stocks, all this stuff. Just invest in the quality company, put your money there, and then worry about investing in your business and yourself here in the short term. So are you an individual stock investor for the most part, or do you purchase things like index funds, ETFs, or whatnot? For me, it's mostly individual stocks right now. And why did you decide to go that route? Because there's obviously two schools of thought on what the quote unquote safest approach is for investing. I don't think there was too deep of a thought. Again, I just look at the quality companies and where I can put my money into and where I feel like those companies are going to be around in the future. And that's pretty much it, right? I do know there is definitely some benefits into ETFs and whatnot. And that's definitely something I want to look more into this year for sure. So I'm curious, are you a full-time entrepreneur? No. So the podcast and everything is all funded by my nine to five job. I'm a marketing coordinator full-time and not ashamed to say that. I know a lot of people are against having a job and whatnot, but I think it can be a smart thing to do, especially when you can use the revenue from your job to put into a podcast, to be able to travel or to put into the stock market when you want as well. So yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, that's what I was doing for seven years before I made the transition. So I think the safest way to start a business is when you have steady income, because then you're not under this pressure to make everything happen right away. You're not under the gun. How am I going to pay these bills? Because I don't have any other way to make money. Do you see yourself ever making that transition? A hundred percent. It's going to happen hopefully soon, just preparing as much as possible. And I've been in both situations where I was a full-time entrepreneur and I was just trying to pay the bills and pay things back. You're 100% right. If you want to go the safe way, the less stressful way, just get you a job just to cover your expenses and use that money to pour back into your business. But absolutely, for me, the biggest thing that I value is freedom. The freedom of time, the freedom to do what I want, when I want, with who I want. You know, that's something that I value, right? So, and I think entrepreneurship will definitely give me the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. Okay. So let's talk about the fact that you're married. So these goals that you have around money don't just involve you. First of all, are you and your wife, would you consider on the same page when it comes to money? Were you always like that? Or were there conversations that you had to have in order to be on the same page? Definitely conversations. Conversations every day, every day. What does that look like on a practical level? Because I think one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of couples is talking about money. It's easier to talk about sex than it is to talk about money. And I don't get it. No, that's a fact. So for us, what it looks like is, okay, let's look at how we're budgeting and what are our spending habits. Naturally, my wife likes to go shopping a little bit. I like to buy things too. I'm not going to lie. But are these necessities, do we really need them right now? Do you already have something that looks like that? Are you just going to buy it and just keep the tags on it. I mean, we're always having conversations about budgeting and we're traveling a lot. So it's like, okay, do we need to maybe go out to eat less this week so we can use that money to save? Or when we go to this trip, I think we're always very conscious about budgeting. One thing my wife does at a really high level is she saves really well. And I know there's some back and forth between, oh, you shouldn't be saving. Your money should be in the market or whatever, but she does a phenomenal job of saving and she understands the power of that. And I know it's a fact because she's dealt with her own traumas with money, with her side of the family. And I know that that's not a path that she wants to go down. Joint or separate accounts? What are your thoughts when it comes to how couples should be managing their money? Yeah. So I'll be transparent. Currently we're separate, but we plan on having a joint account. For me, I think what's going to work best for us is I'll have my own personal account and she has her own personal account. And then we have a joint account where we pay for different expenses or we pay for rent or we pay for travel, groceries, gas, things of that nature. 
it's tough for me to give advice any type of marriage advice because it's all situational based what works best for you guys there might be some couples out there that feel like hey we really need to keep a close eye on what we're spending on each other and we need to have one bank account right there's some people that thrive in having their own bank account their own money and their own independence in that respect again for us transparency i think we definitely want to have our own account and then come together and have at least one joint account. Okay. I love it. And that's the beauty of money. You can customize the way that you operate with it. There's no right or wrong way to do it. And any quote unquote financial guru that shames you into doing one specific thing is probably toxic and you should stay away from them. And they're probably trying to get you to buy their course or their program or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Are y'all parents too? No. So I'm 28. She's, what is she, 27? But, you know, right now we just trying to live our best life, travel, making sure that any traumas or any weeds that are in our life, we dig up, we make better. And so we can just bring a child into the world, stress-free with opportunities and options. That's what we want. I love that energy. And I also love the fact that y'all are doing the individual work on yourselves before creating another human, right? That then could be potentially impacted by your own stuff. And the intentionality behind the decisions that you guys make is really inspiring. And I'm curious. So when you have these conversations around generational wealth and you're thinking about becoming parents and whatnot, like what do those conversations consist of? What do you imagine being able to do for your children that was not able to be done for you? I think the biggest thing at a high level that we talk about is Again, it goes back to allowing them to have options, right? Because we can leave money behind for them, which is phenomenal. And we definitely want to do that. But we want to give them options. We want to give them the option. Hey, if you do want to go to school, you got the option and the opportunity to do that. If you want to start a business as soon as you get out of high school, you have funding right here that you can jump into, right? By the time you get out of high school, you'll have a great credit score. So we want to give them I believe the option to do what they want to do. And we want to position them again to where they can live their life and walk through life utilizing their purpose and their gift and not have to stress so much about like, damn, I got to get a job. I got to make ends meet and all that. We want them to fully embrace their gifts and their purpose and their calling in their life. I think that would be the biggest thing that I want to leave for my kids. That is what we call privilege. And I feel like the word privilege has been weaponized and demonized in our community as if we're not entitled to create opportunities for the next generation. Like the idea that we should just perpetuate struggle. And I'm thinking of George Lopez because he was recently under fire for this idea that he was talking about on a podcast where it's not his responsibility to make the journey for new comics easier. They should fucking struggle as hard as he did. And I think that's a really toxic mentality, right? Because there's a difference between teaching your kids how to be good stewards of money and their talents and all that stuff. And literally knowing that you have access to resources, but keeping them from them because you want them to struggle the same way. What's your thought about that? It's very interesting because I kind of understand both sides of it. Because if I don't have kids, obviously, so what I hear from people is if you do give them too much and if they are too privileged, then I guess they won't work as hard. They're afraid that they'll be lazy or they won't live up to expectations or something like that. I have heard that. And obviously, I think it's a balance. But for me, growing up with my experience, I think I would have loved to have the options and the freedom to do what I wanted, right? I think at the end of the day, that's going to be most beneficial for them. And as far as the decisions they're making with the money and how they're investing it or what they're doing with their time, that's on them, right? From whatever age, we're doing whatever we can to equip them with the mind to be able to make the right decisions. But once they're out on their own, we can't be mad at that, right? I think what's the statistic? Wealth leaves the family after two generations or something like that. Yeah, I've heard that too. And it's just, damn, then it's not enough to just pass on the money. You got to pass on the knowledge. The knowledge is the biggest thing. That's the slippery slope. I've heard both where like my kids have to struggle. They have to feel that a little bit, but I also know they need the opportunities. How do you feel about that? What are your thoughts? I'm curious. I think 
think there's a balance that has to be struck. I feel you should definitely encourage your kids start working when they're eligible, whether that's 14, 16, whatever, so that they start to understand the value of earning a dollar. I don't believe that you should just turn 18 and have a million dollar trust fund that you have access to, because I know how reckless I was at that age. And I would have definitely done some Lindsay Lohan shit and just made the money disappear. So first of all, you as a parent have to know your child and what their personality is like. You also as a parent have to be real about how you've equipped them with the information. And I think it's a good idea to give them access to resources in stages based on their maturity. And something like a trust can be done, can be written up where they get access to a certain amount of money at 18 and then 25 or after they graduate college or blah, blah, blah. I think that's a good way to give access to resources without it becoming kind of a slippery slope. Okay. So before we wrap this up, I know you talk a lot about personal development and mental health. What's the single biggest advice that you can give to somebody who feels like I'm ready to start changing my relationship with money, but like I have so much baggage. I have so much trauma. I don't even know where to start. What can I do today to start taking back my own power? The first thing that comes to mind is you have to believe that you deserve, that you can have what you want. You have to believe that relationship with money that you want to have, you have to believe that you can have it. Because I think that's something I see in our community a lot of time. What I see a lot of times is the biggest thing that separates us from high level people, successful people. When you go to conferences, you see the people on stage speaking. The biggest thing that separates us is they believe in themselves. They believe that they deserve the money that's coming to them. They believe that they deserve, they can create generational wealth. And I think for us, I think we're getting better at it because we're seeing more of us become wealthy and become successful. You have to believe. You just have to literally believe it. And I know it, it's definitely harder said than done. Um, and there's, there's little things you can do every single day to help you get to that point. But I think the belief is the biggest aspect that separates us from people that are highly successful. And I would argue that being in communities like yours, listening to the Latin Wealth podcast, listening to Yo Quiero Dinero plays a big part in that because I've gotten so many DMs from people that are like, I didn't realize I could do this until I saw you doing it. Or I started paying off debt because I saw somebody who was in my situation, who was a person of color, who was on your show. They did it. I could do it too. Or I started investing or whatever. Just seeing what you want to accomplish in our community, picking somebody who represents that for you, that's major because I think it becomes almost like a North Star where you're like, damn, if they could do it, I could do it too. That's definitely the beautiful thing about our platforms is we bring on people from different communities, different areas, West Coast, East Coast, different skin tones. And again, like you said, it's giving that North Star like, man, he's came from where I come from. He has the same story as me. If he can do it, why can't I? If you see somebody like yourself doing it, then you can do it. There's no excuse. Okay. So I also want to ask you as a fellow podcaster, because I know there's a lot of people who are interested in becoming creators and creating these platforms and starting a podcast. What's the single biggest thing you can attribute to your own success as a podcast? Consistency. Oof. Yes. I'm like, and you are too. I don't know what number this will be when it comes out, but I think the last episode was 199. Hats off to you. That's phenomenal. I think if I'm not mistaken, most podcasters don't even make it past episode seven. So the fact that you've made it this far is phenomenal, but consistency is my superpower. I'm relentless. I won't stop. If I want to make something happen, it's going to happen by any means necessary. If I got to go to episode 200, 300, whatever the case is, I'm in it for the long run. That's what separates me from everybody else is I'm not in it for the short run. I'm in it to impact my community, to help my people out, to collaborate. And I'm in it for the long run. The money, whatever, the followers, the likes, the comments, all that is going to come in due time. But I must be consistent. And when you do start, you're not going to be good. If you listen to my first episode, you're going to be like, damn, that's cringy. Yeah, mine is trash. <laughs> right. But the quality of the conversations that we're having right now, and even my latest episode, you can see the improvement. You can see the confidence. You can see you asking the phenomenal questions to get the right information out. And that comes from being consistent. 
And that will serve you in any aspect of your life. Like we're talking as an investor, as a business owner, as somebody who wants to improve their health, whether that's mentally, physically, spiritually, you got to just keep showing up. And especially in the beginning when nobody believes in what you're doing. That's it. Okay. So I'm curious, do you have any mantras or affirmations or anything that you live by? And could you share your favorite one? So in this season I'm in right now, I have my background, my screensaver, and it's a list of different affirmations that I tell myself every day. So if you don't mind, I'll mess around and just read them, right? And if you want, you guys can that are listening, you guys can recite these back to yourself. But these are specific things that I tell myself every single day. And yes, you should tell yourself you are love, you are wonderful, but I believe that we need to be intentional about what we tell ourselves. So the first thing is, is there's 20 different lines. So just give me a second. The first thing that says, you deserve to have crazy faith. You deserve to break generational curses. You deserve to have God's endless grace. You deserve to live abundantly. You deserve to prosper. You deserve to be free. You deserve to be wealthy. You deserve to be successful. You deserve to be healthy. You deserve to have a successful podcast. You deserve to retire your wife early. You deserve to have multiple streams of income. You deserve to be an investor. You deserve to have investment properties. You deserve to travel the world. You deserve to reach millions with your podcast. You deserve to receive what God has for you. God lead me from the impossible to possible. That's what I tell myself every day. You got everything covered, okay? You got everything covered with those affirmations and I'm here for it. Yeah, and it's my background. So I'm at the gym when I'm not feeling it. I'm looking at this. Let's go. What I always tell people is one person's obedience is connected to so many people's destinies. So if I'm not showing up, if I'm not being obedient and giving my all on this podcast, or if you're not being consistent with Yo Quero Dinero, how many other people's destinies are you affecting? Who's that one person that could have started investing, but since you didn't put out that episode, they're not going to do it now, right? So Yo, that's facts. Chris, do you have a brother and are they single? Because I know there are going to be people listening to like, where do we get one of him? Okay. Where do we get one of those? (laughs) The men's club that we have, you can get one of those in there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to make sure to tag all of the stuff that you have going on, on the episode show notes. But before I let you go, please let us know how we can find the communities that you're working on, that you're building. Obviously, you can listen to the Latin Wealth Podcast wherever you're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero. Just tell us everything you have going on. Latin Wealth Podcast on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to your podcast. If you want to contact me, and I'm going to talk to you guys right now. If you want to talk to me, please send me a DM. Let's talk. Let's build. If you're a male and you want to get in an environment with other like-minded men, send me a DM. It's not something I promote because it's like a sacred space. But if you are interested, send me a DM. You can follow me at Chris Bayoso on Instagram. That's where I'm at. Again, Latin Wealth on all platforms. And that's it. Just happy to be here and happy to serve y'all. I love it. We're going to make sure to link all of those in the episode show notes. And there's a lot of women that listen to this podcast. So if you know that there's a man who could use some of this advice, I mean, please go and send them a text, do whatever you got to do, listen to it in the car together, because as we elevate together as a community, that's only going to benefit everybody. Chris, I want to thank you for your time. This has been an amazing conversation. I knew I was not going to be disappointed. And I just want to, on behalf of my community, say thank you for deciding to show up because what I see a lot, especially I think with men, is they take the information that they receive from learning about these things, investing, generational wealth, and they might just feel like it's enough just for me to have it. I don't really have a responsibility to share this stuff. And you decided to take a different approach to create a community that is hopefully going to change the trajectory of what has been happening in the Latino community. So I just want to say thank you. I appreciate it. I receive all that. Thank you for having me on this platform again and everything that you've been doing. It's inspiring. I've learned a lot from you just from this conversation and just jumping into this podcast. There's probably 10 things I mentally took note on like, okay, this is what you can do better. So I thank you. You're killing it. And we're just going to keep building. Thank you. Cheers to that. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14 page guide, The Financially Lit Latina The Ultimate Blueprint for Becoming Poderosa with Your Dinero. This 14 page guide includes our best tips on money mindset budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start. That's YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered. Stay inspired and stay poderosa. On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated contents constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.